everyone, and welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet Movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. It's the podcast where we watch The Great Muppet Caper two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Anthony Strand. And I'm your other host, Ryan Rowe. Joining us today, we have a very special guest. Uh, tell, tell the folks who you are. Hi, um, this is Evan, also from ToughPigs.com. And Evan, you were one of our very first guests when we did the Muppet movie. That's true. I was there for the scene where Kermit first rode a bicycle and got hit by a steamroller. And yeah, then so, for Kermit walking into the, um, the El, El Cafe. Yeah. So that's very close to the beginning. So I, I, I like to think we've improved since your last visit. So <laughs> hopefully this will be a more uh, smoother experience. About halfway so, through that podcast season, we figured out what we were doing. Right, right. <laughs> So today we are looking at minutes 23 and 24 of The Great Muppet Caper. In these minutes, Kermit leaves Gonzo and Fozzie to look for Lady Holiday. He enters her office where he finds Miss Piggy. He mistakes Miss Piggy for Lady Holiday, and she falls instantly in love with him. So most of these minutes are about Kermit and Miss Piggy having their their meet-cute, their big romantic comedy meeting scene. I did write uh, down the phrase meet-cute. So did I, yeah. Yeah. Um, but before that, we have 18 seconds of uh, other assorted business. So I want to talk about that stuff first. Um, last week, Gonzo got his nose stuck in the elevator. And we open here with the aftermath of Gonzo's nose being stuck in the elevator. Um, he urges Fozzie to do it. And Fozzie <laughs> does this great take to the camera. Yeah, I love I love the face that Fozzie makes, which again is not really a face that Fozzie makes because Fozzie's right. face is not movable. Right. But... It's like I, I actually have it down in my notes. It's this great moment of how do they get a stationary puppet to be so expressive. Well, his mouth is open just a little bit, so it looks like he's making a face. Right, but like I feel like his eyes are just expressing this remarkable disdain at the idea that he's gonna stick his nose in this elevator. Yeah. And he, his eyes obviously are not doing anything because Fuzzy's eyes don't move. Right. Frank Oz is an excellent puppeteer. Right. Frank Oz knows exactly where to place it in relation to the camera mm-hmm. to get that um, emotion across. It's Frank Oz is good at his job. And what again, it, it, it's the same deal with Gonzo because Gonzo does have like the movable eyelids, but like they're not in use in this scene at all. And you can tell just how excited Gonzo is. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. So uh, anything else about Gonzo and Fozzie? It's a very brief moment, but uh, you didn't get to talk about it last time. So go ahead. And- I was just going to say, I just always like seeing Gonzo and, and Fozzie, you know, as as a kind of unit. This is the movie where we really see that the most. You know, there's a little bit in some of the some of the other stuff, some of the TV movies, but it, they just work so well as a as a team. And I wish there was more with like Kermit, Fozzie, and Gonzo as a trio. Because I feel like we're constantly talking about it. I know it came up a couple times on season one of this podcast, but like it's really just this movie where where they're right. like a trio. Right. It's 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 this movie, a few scenes in the Muppet movie before Piggy shows up, and uh the Cloris Leachman episode of the Muppet Show, where they're yeah. all locked in the boiler room together. Yep, and that's about it. Like, I think there was a little like, bit, a little bit in like letters to Santa, right? Right, but, but like, but like, which Jim felt Henson like a return era. to the old gang. But yeah, right. But if the if Kermit, Fozzie, and Gonzo are Jim Henson, Frank Oz, and Dave Goals all together, it's it's like it's the this is kind of the last time. Yeah, which mm-hmm. seems bizarre. 
But yeah. there it is. I just like that this watching this two minutes at a time has given me a, a real appreciation for this uh, version of Gonzo as a, just a glutton for pain. And this is another just a great, you know, he, he not only did he enjoy sticking his nose in the elevator the first time, he wants to do it again. <laughs> right. It's, you know, like on the, I'm sure you talked about this during Hey, a movie, but like, the fact that it's included on the soundtrack where he goes, it's okay. I just landed on my head. Like it really sets the tone for Gonzo for this entire film. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And we'll see that a little in, you know, maybe four minutes. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and so Kermit then walks down the hallway and we pan over briefly to see a delivery man in Nikki Holiday's doorway. And all we hear is the delivery man say, Mr. Holiday, did you order a gross of flowered socks? You're going to have to remind me, was there context provided for that in a previous episode? No. Great. Okay. This is, this is the first we've heard of it. Um, uh, well, of course, we mentioned in when we see Charles Grodin in Hey, a movie, he is wearing flowered socks already. Is he? But yes. we have no reason to focus on that. It's something I right. hadn't really even noticed before. Well, I'm not sure that I ever noticed this line before. Before mm. watching it for this part, like, I, I never thought about it. Yeah. It's interesting because so I last saw this movie probably about two years ago, and no, three years ago. And at the time, I was a member of a sock of the month mailing club. <laughs> um, so it's weird that I don't remember this line because I was receiving like flowered socks in the mail sure. uh, at the time. Um, Sure. So you're like a sock guy. All right. You know, if it's one, if it's a gross of flowered socks, then you know, presumably that's a gross of pairs of socks. So well, that's no, actually... that's, what, that's what I was wondering. Is that is that 144 pairs or is it 72 pairs? I, I figured it was 144 pairs for a total of 288 socks. The nice yeah. thing about having 144 pairs of shoes is pairs of socks is you can go almost five months without doing a laundry. (laughs) See, it's nice to be rich. (laughs) Well, um, it is nice to be rich. Well, and what I like is that as far as we know, we we haven't seen Nikki yet, right? Like we, a first time audience theoretically doesn't know that's Charles Grodin yet. Right. We haven't haven't, quite put it all together. Right. Um, But I like that they're making, they put so much work into making him a distinctive presence before we see him. Like, you know, the, the, the plot exposition that his sister gives earlier. And now just a random man standing in his office door telling him that he got a gross of flowered socks. And you can actually see, it's much clearer in a, a future shot later in the movie, but you can actually see that the sign on his office door says, Nikki Holiday, Irresponsible Parasite. Right, which is yes. so great. Such yes. a nice touch. Well, and I like that his sister kind of took him into the business on the condition that his daughter would say irresponsible parasite. <laughs> you think she dictated that? Well, that she, I mean, that's how she describes him to me. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's not like it's unrelated. It's, you know, it's not, it's not that piggy hears that on the street. Right. She, she hears has, that from the head of the company. She has so much disdain for her brother. And to be fair, it's justified disdain, but <laughs> right. I do love how much disdain um, Lady <laughs> Holiday has. It's also interesting to think about the fact that this means uh, Nikki is in the same, like he's he's very close in the same building to Kermit and Piggy in this scene, and they, they still won't encounter each other yet. Yeah, right. Yeah. So uh, Kermit, getting back to, to, to old, old Froggy Face, <laughs> he enters the room to find Miss Piggy standing on the desk, practicing her acceptance speech for model of the year. Um, 
And she, you know, she talks for a second or two, a few seconds, but she walks across the desk while talking and then falls into the garbage can. Uh, and what I love is well, that she they, walks across the desk after Kermit has caught her and yeah, she doesn't fall right. until true. Right. Right. Okay. After yeah. Kermit says, excuse me. Right. Um, Kermit's, Kermit says, excuse me. She's sort of trying to save face because he, he catches her in this moment of, of fantasy. Right. Right. But what I was going to say about the falling is like, there's two shots of the fall and they combine to make it seem so natural to me. Frank Oz, like clear, like the first one, Frank is pulling her down to make it look like she's falling. And then in the second shot, he kind of like throws her from above frame down into the can. Hmm. Right. Right. Like we don't yeah. see her fall directly, um, but it, it looks like such a natural fall. I think it's so impressive. Yeah, you're right. It's, yeah, we, you know what? I didn't even think about that. But yeah, it's two separate elements of Piggy falling in the trash can. That's cool. Right. Yeah. And it, and it, and it makes her seem like a person falling, you know, from, from, from a height into a thing. You know, it's... You know, speaking of seeming like a person, uh, I love any full body shot of, of, of a Muppet. And, and oh, sometimes, sure. sometimes they're a little stilted, like they move a little weirdly. I really think that this is, this is a great shot of Piggy, you know, the, the opening scene or the opening, like when Kermit opens the door is, I guess what I should say. Right. And she's and, standing and, on the table. Yeah, with her it's, arms it's framed very nicely. And you know, it's, it's very, it's very natural. She has her arms both raised with no visible arm rods. And then she actually puts them down when Kermit comes in. So, yeah. Well, I wonder if they painted the rods out. I mean, like, and when I say painted, I don't mean like digitally remove them like they did on more recent movies, but like actually painted them out frame by frame. Yeah, I don't know what they would do. Or, I mean, they could have put a mechanism inside her body to make the arms go up and down. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Good question. We should probably ask Frank Oz on Twitter. <laughs> that would, I wonder how he would respond to that. Hi, Frank. How did Piggy raise her arms up and down in that one shot in the Great The Muppet most Caper? specific question Frank Oz has ever gotten on Twitter. I wonder what it is. I think it's, yeah. I think it's what kind of beans do you buy at the store? <laughs> mm. Wait, did somebody actually ask him that? <laughs> no, but I want to. Well, you know where to find him. I should. That's right. That's right. It, at the Frank Oz Jam, what kind of beans do you eat with your jam? Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so then, um, you know, Piggy falls, and when she comes to she sees, uh, she's kind of groggy for a second, which is such a great bit of puppetry, I think, too. Piggy just kind of laying back, going, uh, and sitting up. Um, is very funny to me. Yeah. But uh, when she comes to, she sees Kermit, and Kermit suddenly has animated bluebirds flying around his head. Yeah, I wanted to ask you guys, I don't recall anything like that happening in any other Muppet production. No, it, like, it's, During Jim's tenure, post-Jim's tenure, I guess other than Sesame Street, how, like, there, there there'll be mixes of animation and, and live act and sure, live action. Sure. Yeah, as, as far as I know, this is the only piece of animation of, like, you know, certainly Disney-esque animation like this, but, like, the only piece of hand-drawn animation... Unless we're counting Waldo. Uh, I yeah, but, like... <laughs> But like in a Muppet movie, certainly it's the only one. I guess yeah, that's yeah. true. On the shows, I don't, I can't think of. I mean, yeah, I, I'm trying to think. I mean, you know, there's things like Song of the Cloud Forest where the backgrounds are all digital, things like that. You know. Yeah. Yeah, but if we're not um, counting Sesame Street, there's no way we're counting Song of the Cloud Forest. Yeah, <laughs> I, Evan, I once wrote a book chapter about the Jim Henson Hour. I always count Song of the Cloud Forest. Oh, believe me, I love. There, there's been. There's been pages written on how much I love the Jim Henson Hour, but sure, still, it doesn't. Sure. 
I've uh, seen no, stuff like right. this you're in right. other movies. Like uh, I think in Little Shop of Horrors, uh, which by the way, a Frank Oz directed film, uh, when Audrey sings Somewhere That's Green, isn't there a shot where she has a little animated bird on her hand? Or am I making I, that up? I don't. <laughs> Maybe think I'm confusing so. it all, with something else. It's all fifties housewife jokes. You're thinking of okay. You're thinking of nine to five, where Lily. Maybe Tomlin's, I am. <laughs> Lily Tomlin's fantasy is that she's a Disney princess when yes, they all that, have their. That's their definitely fantasies. another example of something like because it's all kind of riffing on the same sort of old cartoon thing. Yeah. But, um, it, yeah. I guess the Muppets didn't really do it. It well, any other times. Goes along with how how this movie sort of is is working in a different context than a lot of the other Muppet things. Not to say that it doesn't feel like a Muppet thing, but like this is going for that kind of like broader classic comedy sort of thing. That's a good point. Well, and like we talked about Jack Rose, who co-wrote the movie wrote like Bob Hope and Bing Crosby road movies. And that they did that kind of joke in those movies all the time. Right. Where like all of a sudden the camel looks at the camera and has an animated mouth or whatever. Yeah, you know, um, but uh, one thing that I did want to say also about the animation, there are no animators credited. There's, yeah, I was trying to figure out who might have done this, but I, I yeah, I didn't yeah, see. Yeah, I wondered if it was original or if it was existing footage. You know, like I, you know, like, I think the fact that it's so perfectly framed around Kermit's head suggests that it's original to me. Like I, I mean, Kermit has a weirdly shaped head. I don't know, and just it, the way they fly all the way around his head and then scatter. Yeah, it, it does seem specifically designed for this this is this is one of those mysteries and you know yeah i don't know even know who to ask like who would know so listeners if you know if anybody knows who did the uh animated who animated this sequence in the great muppet caper let us know there is a there's a visual effects supervisor credited whose name is roy field i don't know if that's the kind of thing that would be considered visual effects on a project like this but i mean worst comes to worst you could tweet frank oz and be like i know you didn't (laughs) direct the great muppet caper yeah yeah but (laughs) (laughs) yeah although i don't know might karen falk know the jim henson company archivist yeah we can check with her anyways we'll uh we'll do some more digging and uh for now, let's talk about Kermit and Piggy's romantic comedy meet cute, like we mentioned at the top of the show. What I was just going to say is one thing that I, I do really appreciate about this romantic comedy meet cute is that Kermit is the one who's like completely smitten. I mean, Piggy, of course, also says, like, I don't think I'll ever be the same, right? right. Which, which is great. 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 Is great. Yeah. But um, but it's it's so much and it's something that definitely is is missing from a lot of the the later Kermit Piggy stuff. You know, I don't I don't love love their relationship and I know we've we've talked a ton about like oh, you know, were Kermit and Piggy ever together and like is it that important their relationship to the to the Muppets and every Muppet fan will have a different answer. But mm-hmm. in new stuff it's like Kermit sees nothing in Piggy. And in this, it's it's clear like why they decided to start a relationship, right? At least to yeah. start a relationship. You know, sure. I, this obviously is not the grounds to keep a relationship, right. but it's clear why they start. But right, and and it really does feel like such a screwball comedy me- meeting scene. Like I I can imagine this exact scene playing out where Kermit is Henry Fonda and. Piggy is Barbara Stanwyck or something, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? The Lady Eve is good, listeners. Go watch it. 
It is. I just recently watched it for the first time, and it is delightful. Awesome. Anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it feels very much like a screwball comedy from n- 1940 or something. And it's- I think there's also something where maybe they felt like they didn't want to make Kermit and Piggy uh, an actual couple on the show because... That like it's the kind of thing that happens on TV where they want to keep things a little bit open ended, but in the movies they're telling these self contained stories, so they it seems like they felt a little bit freer to to kind of explore the relationship in a a one shot story. Right. Well, and I think it's so cute that Kermit compliments Piggy on her fall. You know, she she apologizes and he says. I thought it was a very nice fall, quite graceful, actually. Yeah, this whole—it's so cute. These these two are—you can't help but root for them here. They're so adorable. Yeah. Um, although I, I will say that this scene also is more evidence that the Kermit in this movie is the stupidest Kermit has ever been. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Like he's well, he's a he's a reporter investigating the theft of Lady Holiday's jewels. Not to... And he doesn't know what she looks like. Right? <laughs> right, right. That's that's incompetence. If you know, if he's if he's a reporter. I mean, let's let's be honest. To to give a teaser for next week's episode, I think Kermit gets even worse in the next scene. <laughs> right. Well, and and like, yeah, I think that's right. And like we've mentioned on the podcast earlier, the characters are exactly as smart or as dumb as the jokes or in the plot need them to be in this movie. Yeah, Indeed. and it's... and. I, I remember when Muppets Most Wanted came mm-hmm. out, reading criticism that, oh, the Muppets don't recognize that Constantine's not Kermit. They're so dumb. Well, sure, they're dumb in this, and it's their best movie. So that's fine. Right. Like, who cares? <laughs> but um, so uh, anyways, what happens next? Uh, Kermit introduces himself, says he's come all the way from America to interview you for the Daily Chronicle. And then Piggy is confused, but she goes with it once... He says that she's Lady Holiday, and it's so fun. What a bunch of fun nonsense! Yeah, and and it's like uh, they had already done the Muppet movie, and we had seen a first time meeting of Kermit and Piggy, so they had to come up with a whole new first time meeting for Kermit and Piggy, and I think they just really pulled it off. This is just so much fun to watch. Yeah, and like now that you mention it, I guess it's just those two, right? Like. Guess so, every, uh, yeah, every yeah. other time there. I mean, you know, M- M- Muppet Treasure Island. It's a reunion after many years apart, right? Or whatever. They're married in Christmas Carol. They're married in Christmas Carol. They're just a couple in in Manhattan. At the or they, start. Yeah, they're dating and all the other things. I think. Yeah. yeah. Huh. And then we also uh, we should mention the sparkle in Piggy's eye. Oh, so oh, yeah. good. That, yeah, that yeah. happened in the Muppet movie too. Yeah, it did. Yeah, when she first Where, sees him. And yeah. Never before, never again. And we talked about this. I, I guess they put some kind of reflective lens or thingy in her eye that that makes it sparkle like that oh really? because that's it in post too yeah you i was gonna so? say it looks like an effect it, it doesn't it, look like yeah. it's in camera i don't know I, I was thinking it looks like it it really well you might be right ryan but who she is that? moving her head ryan who was that effects coordinator uh give me a second his name was roy field yeah you you should you can ask him that too yeah uh, yeah we should see if he's right, still around right roy field a letter yeah Ask him if his wife will send you some chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> and then, so um, anyways, that, that just about brings us down to the end. Uh, Piggy says, you want to help me out of this? But we don't know what. We don't know what she's going to say next. Mm. So it's a, it's a cliffhanger. That's where we end these minutes. What do you um, think What do you think she needs his help getting out of? Uh, her situation at work because she's not actually Lady Holiday. <laughs> mm. Good guess. 
I don't know. I don't know. Her previous marriage? <laughs> oh, wow. That would be something. Whoa. So here's something I wanted to bring up. Um, uh, this feels like a very typical or classic romantic comedy premise where he comes in, assumes she's Lady Holiday, and then she just kind of plays along with it. Mm-hmm. But I actually can't think... It, it feels like it is, but I can't think of a lot of other examples. Um, my wife and previous podcast guest, Stacy Rosen, suggested Made in Manhattan, where Rafe Fine sees Jennifer Lopez coming yes, out of a hotel yeah. room and assumes that she's the rich lady who's staying there, but she's actually the maid, but then she just plays along with it. But that but, movie is much newer than this one. Yeah, true. But can you think of any other examples of that sort of premise? It's so uh, weird because I feel like I've seen it a million times. And like. It, similar to it is n- not quite the same thing. Easy Living with Gene Arthur, where like a rich guy is throwing out his wife's fur coats because she's wasting money or whatever. And Gene Arthur's passing by and she gets the coat and then. There's a series of things where, like, now that she looks rich, people assume she's rich. Oh, okay. So she so just it's not, believe it. Yeah, it's not quite the same thing, but it's like... Yeah, yeah that's close. Yeah. And, and that's 1937. Yeah, um, so, okay. Yeah, and, so and, that's... And Preston Sturgis wrote that, who I mentioned the Lady Eve earlier. It seems like he must have a movie where that just happens. You would like, think so. Because it feels so much like his work, specifically. Yeah. There's always mistaken identities and... You know, right, people pretending to be something. People pretending not. to be somebody else. And, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, uh, listeners, let us know if you can think of any examples. Yes. All right. So, any other final thoughts before we close, Evan? Yeah, if I can just say something quickly, um, I'm sure you you talked about this with regards to to you know Kermit and and Gonzo, um, but now that we have Piggy in this scene for the first time, uh, I want to mention it. I love the costuming in this movie. Uh, I'm a I'm a big fan of um, that sort of like design, like costume design, especially for notable like memorable characters. Piggy's dress is is fabulous, and um, uh, it it really works. It's a very different look than we usually see on Piggy, um, and it it really works well for her. Um, and again, Kermit's little trench coat always looks great, um, and and I was really happy to see it again here. Yeah, and uh, I don't know who does. Do we know who designed the other Muppets clothes? Is it Calista Hendrickson across the board, or did she just do piggies? Do we know? I think there are a few different people credited with costumes, but I don't know if it was. You know, most of them did the human costumes, and and Calista Hendrickson did just the Muppet costumes, or if it was a combination. I don't know. When I when I started. Uh, graduate school and I needed to get more professional clothes. I basically designed my entire wardrobe around like what Gonzo wears in this movie. Um, and <laughs> I've, I've since expanded that to what Gonzo wears in all of the movies. Um, you have a so, purple tux though? Not yet. <laughs> Emphasis on yet. I don't really have many opportunities to wear a tuxedo, but you know, I all but have a chili pepper shirt in terms awesome. of my outfits. So, awesome. so yeah, I, I'm a big fan, and it was good to see them again in uh, in this clip. I and forgot actually, how this, much I loved it. I don't think we've mentioned this yet. This movie is the beginning of his uh, gray sweater vest, isn't it? It's true. This is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's cool. He, he wore that well, for, Because yeah. in the Muppet movie, he wears that like white shirt with the blue vest over it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is cool looking too. I like that look a lot. They didn't yeah. keep the sweater vest for again because because their Muppet appearances were kind of 
spottier. Like there was, you know, obviously the Jim Henson hour, he has it. Right. But, um, but, and, he, and he has it in Mother Family Christmas, which that's is like, true too. That's, I think, I feel like that's why it sticks in my mind so much. I'm sure that's true for me. Yeah. Is because he's wearing it when he gets into a fight with a turkey over Camilla. So anyway, it's a great look. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, Ryan, anything else before we close? Uh, no, I think that's it for me. All right. Well, in that case, that brings us down to the end. Uh, we'll be back next week, but please, in the meantime, check out toughpigs.com on the internet, Facebook, Twitter, all of those things. Uh, our theme music is by Stacy Rosen. Thank you, Stacy. Our logo is by Morgan Davey. Thank you, Morgan. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Zeppo Marxist. You can follow Ryan at me, Ryan Rowe. And Evan, where can the folks find you online? Uh, sure. So um, most of the time uh, I'm on I'm on Twitter these days, and you can find me there at Uncle Petunio, uh, all one word. That's Uncle like Kermit or Traveling Matt, and then Petunio like the flower, except with an O instead of an A. Uh, also, am, am I allowed to do a quick plug or? Sure, please, by all means. Um, so if you if you like hearing me and if you like superheroes and uh, and stories about superheroes, um, I encourage you to check out the Rollout podcast. Um, it's an actual play podcast where we're playing through um, Masks, which is an RPG system themed around teen superheroes. Um, I play a teen superhero on that show. And that's you can find that on Twitter at Rollout Podcast, all one word. Awesome. Sounds great. Yeah. Uh, Ryan and I are both superhero fans. That's true. As, as, oh. as Evan well knows, and as the listeners may have picked up as well. <laughs> I think you've mentioned it on the show. Yes. I'm sure Once we twice, have. Maybe. And uh, if you're so inclined, listeners, give us a positive review on iTunes and tell your friends to listen as well. And join us again next week for another episode of Moving Right Along. Goodbye. See you later. Bye.